This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So tonight we are going to continue on uh, the teaching that I've been doing. This is the fourth lesson of this teaching. Um, Purpose in singleness. So... One of the things that I always preface in saying is just because you are married or you don't consider yourself single, this teaching is not just for single people. So make sure that you listen just as attentively as you would as those who are single. So let's go ahead and let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is the foundational uh, scripture that we've been coming from. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to um, start at verse 25. Verse 25 says, Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment, as one that have obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man to be so. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as they that rejoice not, but they and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married care for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Therefore, excuse me, there is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried unmarried woman cared for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cared for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age, and needs so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, hath, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he shall keep his virgin, that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So the, then, he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. So all those scriptures you can see, like when you're reading it, you hear this is Paul, he's writing to the church of Corinth, and he's giving them some counsel on people wanting to get married. They were asking, is it better to be married? Is it better to be single? What should we do? And basically what Paul was saying here is like, if you're married, don't seek to get out of a marriage. If you're not married, don't seek to be married. But if you want to be married, it's fine. The thing about this, the way we're looking at this passage of scripture is, we're saying what, what it's saying is there's nothing wrong with being married. There's nothing wrong with being single. Both of them are fine. Single or married, the goal, though, 
is focused ministry, focused service to God. The important thing is that you complete the assignment that God gave you. So it doesn't matter if you're married, you're single, you're engaged, whatever you want to call it, your goal in life, our goal, each and every one of us individually, our goal is focused service to God. And we're going to review just a little bit here. So we said every person starts off single. When you're born, you are single. You are unmarried. You're not born married. So some people get married. Some people get married and stay married for the rest of their life. Some people the marriage ends due to death or divorce. Some people never get married. All of that, that just happens. But you're not going to avoid being single. So in this teaching, the objective is to learn how to maximize the single or the unmarried state and fulfill God's purpose. It's very important that believers know how to have godly success in an unmarried state. So, once again, it doesn't matter whether you're married or single. You have to know how to have success in an unmarried state. If you are a parent and you have children who are unmarried, you have to know how to have success in an unmarried state because you have to teach your children. And I know a lot of times we think children, you think children in the house. But, you know what? If your children are unmarried, like my mother, I'm unmarried. So you know what? She has to know what it means to be single and be focused on God. Because as a mother, she still gives me God the counsel. So to do that, to, achieve, uh, uh, to get to this objective, I say we're going to cover three points. We're going to get in position. We're going to move. talk about moving with purpose and then staying in purpose. So we described that there are kind of two types of unmarried believers and in those types there are different categories so we said there are those who've never been married in that group you had those we call them adolescents or teenagers those who still live in the house with their parents they're still we say this the youth with conviction age their parents are still making all the decisions for them they're teaching them but they're pretty much totally responsible for their children the parents are then you have the older group and that means they're getting a little older they're getting more responsibility maybe they've gone into college, they've graduated, they've started their career, they're learning things, they just have a little bit more freedom, and they're growing in that. And so then we said you have the responsible adult. That's the person who is, we call them grown, you know, not you think you're grown, but you're grown, that's what we say. But earlier, and I think in the first teaching, I said sometimes you can maybe advance in age, but you don't advance in mindset. So a lot of these things are really your mindset. So if you're my age, but you still think like an adolescent or a teenager, you need somebody else to help you make those decisions. So that was the group we talked about never been married. We talked about the adolescent or the teenager. Then we talked about the young adult. And then also the responsible or the older mature adult. Then there was the other group, those who have been married. And for some reason, whether it was divorce or death, they're no longer married. So those people are still considered unmarried because they're not married. They're single. So this group has experienced marriage, so they're, they're a little different from the other group because they know what it's like to be married. They're not thinking, oh, this is what, I think this is what marriage. They don't have those daydreams about it. They've actually been in it. The thing about this, it doesn't matter which of these two groups, and you can see it's a lot of differences in those groups of people, uh, of unmarried and single people, but it doesn't matter what group you're in. The goal for every individual is the same, and that's pleasing God. God isn't excusing any of us from accomplishing his will because of our experience or our current situation. So it doesn't matter what situation you're in. doesn't matter how you got in the situation. God is still saying, you, you can please me. You can do what I've called you to do. And God isn't writing anybody off 
because of their past or current circumstances. He's saying, listen, I see that. I understand that. But let me tell you, we can, we can get you out of that and get you into purpose. So we talked about getting in position. And we said that we have to be in the position that God has placed us in. So God has given us a position. And we have to make sure we're in that position. So we have two types of positions. We have our external position and our internal position. Our external position is what people see. It's those things that people see. So we would, we would say married, being married is an external position. But you also have an internal position. This is your, your feelings, your will, your emotion. The thing about it is both of those are subject to change. The big deal is, though, you need to change your internal position and make sure you're where God wants you to be. Because what God is saying, I need you internally, your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions to line up with me and do my will. And then don't really worry about that external. The external may never change. It may change. But what God is saying, let's get you in line with me in your heart and in your mind and in your thoughts. And then you can do what you need to do. Don't focus on those external things. Just make sure that you're in line with my purpose. So we talked about God's perspective of the unmarried believer. And we're not going to go to the scripture, but we went over to Romans 5 and we looked at verses 6 through 11. And we saw the love of God. And we saw that God loved us when we were outside of his will. We could not get to him. We were out of position with him. We didn't have a relationship with him. We couldn't because of sin. So what he did was he made a way through Jesus Christ. We just talked about the resurrection. Um, He made a way through Jesus Christ so we could get back into that position with him. And you say, well, what does that mean for an unmarried believer? What it means is it's for everybody. I think I said last week, you have to come to Jesus as a single person. You can't bring your husband. You can't bring your wife. You can't bring your children. It's between you and God. And what God is saying is, I loved you enough to make this way for you. Now that you are in position with me, you have this relationship with me, don't you think I still have that same love for you? Don't you think I'm still going to keep you? So we realize that we have a position in Christ, through Christ Jesus in our, with our Lord. So God's not waiting for these things that you think, I won't say these things that you think. These things that are important to you. Because if, they, if you think they're important, they probably are important. You may have to reassess some things. But God is not waiting for those things to change. To say he loves you. He loves you now. He's not ignoring your experiences. He's not saying what happened in the past didn't happen. He sees all that. And he's saying you don't have to ignore it either. But what he's saying is, I'll deal with those hurts. I'll deal with those pains. I'll deal with those disappointments. But what I need you to do is just obey and continue with me. And then I can heal you from those things and you can continue in my purpose. Then we went over to Romans chapter 12 and we talked about where God has positioned us. And we said that no matter your marital state, you're still a member of the body of Christ. So it doesn't matter. God is not saying, okay, When you think about a body, God is not saying, well, I will categorize people who are married as important pieces of the body and people who are unmarried as unimportant. No, that's not what God is doing. We all have a spot in the body, and it is our individual spot. It is our individual place. Every member of the body has work to do. And I can't let the wrong mindset keep me from doing the will of God or the work of the ministry. I can't get it in my head that certain things are more important 
or that maybe, you know, um, I got to get this uh, set up and this is the way, the way God wants me to be on the outside before he can use me. He's saying, no, I want you internally a certain way. I want you internally lined up with my purpose and my plan and my goal. I want you internally cleansed and then I can work through you. So we have to realize that there's no generic timeline or formula that my life must follow. A lot of times we get so caught up in thinking that, oh, wait a minute, I need to be doing this at this age, or I need to be doing that at that age, or all my friends are doing this, or I'm seeing this is really popular, so I should be doing that. No, that's not the way it's set up. Only God knows the path and direction and the timeline of your life. So guess what? You have to seek God, and you have to agree with God. If you, We're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but you can't go on chasing what somebody else is doing. Or you can't go chasing your dream that you had. You have to allow God to give you the dream, and then you follow what he gave you. So then we talked about making sure that you don't waste the time. The opportunity that we have now for each and every one of us, this is the opportunity that we have. Where we are right now is where we are. The five minutes ago is over. At this moment, this is where you are. And God is saying, make the most of that opportunity. You may never get it again. So we have to make sure that we make the most of those opportunities. So the next point that we talked about was moving with purpose. And we talked about keeping your eyes single. We went over to Matthew chapter 6, and we won't go there tonight. But we looked at Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 through 25, and verses 31 through 34. And we talked about our treasure and our focus. And we said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your focus is going to be. So whatever is valuable to you, that's where your focus is going to be. And what does your focus mean? That means the center of your attention, what you concentrate on, your motivation. So whatever you, whatever you value the most, that's what you're going to focus on. In that, it talks about having a single eye. That, that scripture we were looking about says having a single eye. And we said a single eye is a healthy eye. A single eye does not have uh, any impairment. There's no double vision. You see things clearly. So when we focus on Christ, when we focus on the Lord, then we have light. There's light coming into us. And that um, will determine what we do. So as we focus on him, we can follow him, and he'll provide the information, the clarity that we need. Now, when we are off focus, when we choose, when, when God is not the most valuable thing in our life, when we're like, well, God, I like, I like you a whole lot, but it's other things that I'm prioritizing above you, that means that our eyes not single, that we are off focus, that we are, we, we are looking at something that is darkness, because it's God that is light. When I am looking at something that is darkness, then my body is full of darkness. My life I can't see what's going on because there's no light coming in. There can be no clarity. There can only be confusion. So God should be our only focus. He should be our master. And we looked at that word in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6, and we said the word Matthew, uh, master was supreme in authority and ultimate in authority. Can't have two masters. Ultimate means it's only one. So either you're going to love one and hate the other, or hold to one and push the other away. So as believers, God should be our master. He should be our only focus. And as we follow him, he'll provide the things that we need concerning us. 
And he'll bring those things that maybe we don't necessarily understand. He'll bring them into perspective. He'll give us the understanding that we need to continue in our lives. We also talked about following after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not being, not being distracted, not being pulled away with other things and other cares of this life. So my attention, as a believer, my attention, my efforts... And my energy should be focused on maintaining my proper position with God. I should be looking forward to, I should be going after and understanding God's way of doing and being right. I should be understanding the character and attitude of God. That's where my focus and my energy should be. I shouldn't be trying to get caught, I shouldn't get caught up trying to make it happen for myself. What I mean by that is, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll use this as an example. So, you you need a job. You're looking for a job. And you got all these opportunities out here and you're trying to find it. And you're just going to do what you want to do. You're not going to go in. You're not going to seek God as to what you need to do. You may try and go after a job that has you working when you, when you would miss service. Moving out of town when you know that you should be here so you can be in the church that God has planted you in. But no, you're going to make it happen for yourself. That's not what we should be concerned with. What we should be concerned with, our focus, is to obey God and what he's told us to do and to do what he said do. So therefore, what we shouldn't do is we should not take thought. What that means is take no thought. It says that in that scripture. I shouldn't be drawn away in different directions. So I shouldn't be drawn away with different, in different directions by the cares of this life. I shouldn't be distracted. When I'm drawn away in different directions, I'm distracted. And we said a distraction or distraction is the process of diverting the attention of an individual or group from a desired area of focus and thereby blocking or diminishing the reception of desired information. We said distraction can be caused by the lack of the ability to pay attention, the lack of interest in the object of the attention of attention, or great intensity, novelty, or attractiveness of something other than the object of the attention. So a distraction can come from either external or internal sources. When the distraction is internal, you necessarily, you can't see it physically. But that doesn't mean it's not a distraction. And if, when you're distracted, even internally, it's going to display in your external behavior. Distractions don't necessarily come from sin or wrong behavior. Sometimes a distraction can come from information or a situation that's not handled properly. A distraction can also come from a responsibility that's mismanaged. So information that you get or a situation that you're going through or a responsibility that you have, those things are considered those things are natural considerations. So what we have to do is we have to properly handle those natural considerations before they become distractions. We handle natural considerations by applying God's standards, his commandments, and his guidelines. When we ignore or mishandle these natural considerations, they become distractions. A distraction, when, a distraction, it sets conflicting preoccupations or interests that induce extreme agitation of the mind or emotion, and it produces uncertainty. So a distraction, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because we're going to get to our last point tonight. A distraction, it brings a conflict in your life. So now, whereas you were going in one direction, a distraction brings something else in to kind of push you off that dire direction. 
So, remember, we can only have one master. We cannot have, we cannot serve two masters. When a distraction comes in, what the distraction wants to do, it wants you to push you away from the master that you're serving. And that's why it's a preoccupation. It takes your focus, the distraction takes your focus from what should be important and places it on something else. It changes your focus. It skews your perception. And once your perception is skewed, the things around you start to look different. That's how you can believe or think that your light is darkness, or you can believe that God has left you, he's forgotten about you, or your situation is bigger than God. So how do you know when you're distracted? Usually, you don't know when you're distracted. And I'm still reviewing here. So something actually has to come in and interrupt the distraction. So somebody basically has to come in and tell you you're distracted. Has to pull you away and say, hey, you're distracted. Once you figure out that you're distracted, you can choose to refocus. Or you can choose to continue with that distraction or decide to find another distraction. So it's up to you. But once a distracted person becomes discontent. Discontent means to be dissatisfied with one's circumstances. Um, There's a restless aspiration for improvement. When you're discontent, it leads to desperation. Desperation is a state of despair, typically one that results in rash or extreme behavior. It's a great need. You feel like you have a great need that it makes you act irrationally. So that's desperate. So discontentment causes desperation. We don't want to be desperate. So how do we not, what is, what is the cure for desperation? It's contentment. Contentment is internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. It's an inner sufficiency that keeps me at peace despite outward circumstances. When we're content, we're not driven by the desire to get the thing we want. Our greatest aim is to please God. Contentment We looked over in Philippians chapter 4. We're not going to go there tonight. But contentment is divinely bestowed sufficiency whatever the circumstance. Christ is the source of our contentment. And I want to make sure you understand it. I said it last week. It is divinely bestowed sufficiency. It is Christ that's the source of our contentment. Contentment is the freedom from reliance upon other people or things. It's the satisfaction of one's needs. Contentment is not the lack of desiring or wanting something. It's just the control of one's desires. It's not allowing your desires to control you. Contentment will keep you from making wrong decisions. It'll keep you from doing things out of desperation and competition and peer pressure and all those other reasons that you shouldn't be doing it. So we talked about um, making sure that our hour was single. And then we talked about maximizing this time in our life. So... In our lives, we have different spans of times or dispensations. These dispensations are determined by God. There's a set ending. There's a set excuse me, set beginning, set ending. They're determined by God. You can't rush them. You can't jump through them. You can't slow them down. But in that time, you are to complete what God has told you to complete. In that time, God has given you what you need to do what he's called you to do. So you have to make the, the best of that time. You have to maximize that time. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. You still go through it and you make the best of it. Because the thing about it is, so, so right now, all of us, we have, what is it, stay at home, whatever it is. Most of us, we really don't like that. It's 
kind of fun sometimes, but most of the time you're like, I really just want to do something. I want to be around the people. I want to go to the movies. So, but guess what? This is the dispensation that we are in. Make the most of it. There is something that God wants you to do according to his purpose. He's not talking about cleaning out your garage. He's not talking about cleaning out your closet, and that's fine to do. But make sure you get God's purpose done during this time. We have to make sure that we, once again, no comparisons. Your season may not be the same as somebody else's season. Even though we are all in the same time and we're all pretty much in the same boat, somebody's season may be, this may be a a great time of meditation for some people. Another time, this may be a time for you to reach out and to give the things that God has given you and to reach out to people maybe you hadn't had time to reach out to before. So don't think that just because we are all in this same time together that your purpose is somebody else's. You do what God has called you to do. You can't compare yourself to anybody else. So we talked about we don't want to do things out of God's order. Because doing things out of God's order just brings disappointment. So what we have to do is we have to trust God, we have to trust his timing, and we have to trust his counsel. We can't go in and convince ourselves that what we want to do is right. We have to go, so there may be things that you want to do, and and I don't know if they're right or wrong, but you know who knows? God knows. So at that time, when there are things that you need to know, you go to God. You pray. You seek him. And remember I was saying last week, you don't go to God and say, God, I want to do this. Let me do this. And then run off and do it. When you're praying, you're talking to God. You're asking him for counsel. And guess what? If you ask him, he's going to give you an answer. So during this, any dispensation of your time, you have to make sure that you use your time wisely. You have to do what's expedient. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is kind of where we left off last week. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to look at just two verses here. And this is still kind of review, but I'll probably slow down in this part. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 12 through 13. It says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised, excuse me, and God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by his own power. So we were looking at doing what is expedient versus what is lawful. So here Paul is saying, all things are lawful for me, but all things aren't expedient. So Lawful, lawful is that which is permitted, that which is allowed, that which is permissible. So I was thinking about this. So, you know, it is lawful for you not to brush your teeth every day. It's lawful. You don't have to brush your teeth. But it's not beneficial. It's lawful for me to go and eat all sugar all the time. But it's not beneficial. So there are certain things you can do. Because it's not breaking a law. It's not illegal. But is it expedient? So what does the word expedient mean? Expedient means conducive, advantageous, better, profitable, beneficial, 
It means suitable for achieving a particular end in a given circumstance. And I said, in this, de- in this definition, that part, suitable for achieving a particular end in a given circumstance. That, that's kind of the, the part we want to focus on. Because as believers, we have to do what's suitable for achieving that particular end. And that's what God has called us to do. So in the season that you're in, you have to maximize that season by doing that which is expedient. So that means doing what is suitable, doing what makes sense. So, for example, just to make sure you understand what suitable means. If it is 30 degrees outside, I don't need to go out with shorts and a t-shirt on. That's not suitable. Yes, I can do that. But guess what? I'm going to get cold. I'm, I may get my may get frostbite. What is suitable is to put on some clothes and have a coat and gloves. That's the difference. It's what is su- what is expedient versus lawful. So as believers, we have to do what's suitable. There are a lot of options. There are a lot of options. You can do a lot of things, but there is one thing that God is telling you to do. There sometimes, like the, we were, I was talking about the job. If you're looking for a job, you got a lot of job offers out there. There are jobs, even even nowadays, you know, everybody talking about the economy going down, yeah. But there's still some jobs out there. There are some that are suitable to get you to your achieving your particular goal, and then there's some that are not. And God guess guess who knows? God knows. So we have to do what that which is expedient expedient. And then he also talks about what is profitable, doing what is profitable. Doing what is profitable means to bring together for one's benefit. So it's not just doing something just to be doing it. It's doing it to bring it to your benefit, for your good. And remember, this good, even when it's for your good, it's for God's purpose. Not the good that you want, it's the good that God wants. So just because something is technically legal to do, doesn't mean it's spiritually appropriate. And we have to understand that just because you can do a thing, doesn't mean you should do a thing. And I think I brought this up, you know, as, as people who are single, you know what? It is, it is not a sin to date. But there are times in your life as a believer that God may say, no, right now, it's not spiritually appropriate for you to date. It's not spiritually appropriate. You know, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about uh, kind of my preparation when I'm teaching. Like, I'll even, I'll even kind of cut off some of the TV shows that I watch. Like, I won't start new things because I don't want to be interested in anything. I want to be able to focus. I want to, at a, on, at a moment's notice, I want to be able to get away and, and get into the Word. I can watch whatever TV I want to. I'm not watching crazy stuff, but I can watch whatever that I want to. That is lawful for me. But guess what? It's not spiritually appropriate. So sometimes things may not necessarily be sin, but is it going to get you to the end that God is calling you to be? Are you, are you going to reach your spiritual goals doing that? You know, a lot of times we have, like, you know, you have people and they're working out and they have, like, their workout goals and they have, I want to do this, I want to gain this, and so they don't eat certain things. They will do certain workouts and all these types of things. You do the same thing with God, you know, with your relationship with God, with what God is calling you to do. Are those things, you know, is, is texting that person or trying to go out on a date with that person, does that get you where you need to be with God? Or is it a distraction for you? That's the difference between uh, lawful and, and expedient. The thing about it is, this time in our lives, we can't abuse whatever state you're in. You cannot abuse this time that God has given you. And what does that mean? You can't use it for a purpose that it's not intended for. So if you are a single believer, 
And God is saying, right now, I, I want you to prepare for this part in your life. And he may not, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you my testimony. I know what God told me. He said, no, this is what I want you to do right now. A lot of people didn't understand it, but y'all know how I am. I tell you this all the time. I don't, I don't really care if people understand it. I give them my answer. If they ask me the answer I want to give them, and I go on about my business. But, you know, some people, they're, that's just my personality. Some people do what you need to do, get people off your back, but follow God. But God said, no, this is what I want you to do. And you know what? He didn't tell me what he was preparing me for. He just said, no, I need you to focus on this. No, on Friday night, no, you don't need to go out whether it's going out with a guy or going out with your friends. On Friday night, I need you at home studying. No, turn the TV off. That, those are the things he would tell me. Because that, and, and you know what? I had to obey. So some people, he may be telling you that exact same thing. Other people, he may not. But remember, this is what's spiritually advantageous in your time, in your season. And you have to seek God about that. You can't think what God is telling me to do is what he's telling you to do. Now, I'm going to put a little pin right there. God's not telling you to do anything crazy that is sinful and against his will. So all of that stuff, push that out your mind right now. I'm going to give you a second to push it out. Because that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is there are certain things you need to do according to my will. There may be things God is telling you to do with your finances. God, We had a a teaching a couple of months ago about getting your finances in order. God may be telling you, no, you may have the money, but save it. Or no, you may have thought you were going to spend that money on that, but no, give it to the, to the ministry. No, to the ministry. Give it to the ministry. That's what he's saying. So don't, don't act like God is not telling you what to do. So don't get it confused. There are things that God is telling you to do that are expedient for you. You will hear it in his word. He is answering you right now. So listen to what he's saying and do what he's saying. Do not do what is lawful. Do what is expedient. So you can't abuse this time. You can't use it for something that it's unintended for. If God is saying, I'm pre- and he is saying, I'm preparing you for work, I can't use this time to prepare for what I want to do. I have to use this time wisely. So don't waste the time that God has given you. And what waste means because a lot of times, you know, you say words and we use them so often we just kind of throw them around. But understand, waste means to use or expand carelessly. Just kind of flip it around. I don't care about that. I don't care about this time you gave me, God. I don't care. I'll use it what I want to. I'll just sit around and do whatever. So in order to move with purpose, you can't trust your flesh. You can't trust your emotion. You can't trust ungodly counsel. Trust God. There it is. Trust God. So the next point, so once you are moving with purpose, you have to stay in purpose. You can't get there and then stop. You know, I've I just been thinking about, you know, now we're, we're in this and we have to live stream and thinking about all the things that have been going on in the ministry and, and the people that we've seen, you know, rising up and just... Um, you know, growing in the things of God, don't let a place, a physical place, stop you from continuing in what God has started in your life. Continue the same zeal you had 
in, 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 in coming to prayer, in reading your word, in studying, in being in service, and being engaged in service. I know it's, it's hard when you're at home and you're, you're watching the live stream not to get distracted by the things at home and other things, but don't get distracted. Keep that same focus, keep that same zeal that you had when you could come here to this physical place. Because guess what? The God that was, was, here, that was here when you were coming is the same God today. He hasn't changed. What he has for you has not changed. So once you are moving with purpose, you have to stay in purpose. Once you're in purpose, you don't make any decisions that would complicate your life or make it difficult for you to serve God. So, that's a mouthful. You cannot, I'm going to say it again, once you're in purpose, you don't make decisions that would complicate your life or make it difficult to serve God. You don't do things that are not expedient. You do not do things that can, could pull you away from God. Basically, you keep going with what you started with. You keep the focus. You, don't, you keep the distractions out. You stay content. You keep moving with purpose. You keep maximizing the time that you're in. Because you have to continue in what you started. You have to stay in purpose. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we have to allow the love of Christ to constrain us. That is to keep us in purpose. To hold us together, we have to allow his love for us and our love for him. So I was thinking about this, you know, so for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God gave his son for the world. That love was for anyone who will accept it. And you know what? The love is there, but the love, the love of Christ, you have to love him for his love to constrain you. It has to be a reciprocal uh, a relationship. Because there has to be, in your mind, you have to realize, once again, your, your focus, God has to be your master. That has to be the thing that is supreme in your life. And that is how you can be constrained by the love of Christ, because he's supreme. So, because Christ laid his, down, his life down for us, we should also give our lives for him. And that's what constrains us. I no longer, I'm constrained by that love that he has for me, and now I can love him back. So I'm constrained by that. So when I make decisions, I don't make decisions just based on what I want. I don't make decisions for myself. I make decisions for the purpose of Christ. That's what it means I can die to self. As a believer, we don't have room in our lives for distractions for wasted time or selfishness or self-centered ambition. That's why we have to allow the love of Christ to constrain us. So when you think about constraining, you, you think about just uh, you, the way. You know, you say the way is straight. It's narrow. Just think about that. That is what's constraining us. If you think about um, 
Okay. So this is the example I have. I'm sorry. So you, you, everybody knows what Spanx is, right? Men, you don't know what Spanx is? It's like support. And you can put on Spanx and it holds you in and it constrains you. And it makes, it, everything is in a constrained section. Put it like that. So that's the love of Christ. There is a constrained section. You know, I was thinking about when, when we do our fast, when we fast, there's certain, there's a lot of things that you can choose to eat. But there are certain things that you're constrained. And within that, you may even have some options, but you're constrained. And you know what? The thing about it is, being constrained by the love of Christ is a choice. You choose to stay in that. You choose to stay and make decisions. Remember, we're talking about making decisions that don't complicate your life. So when you make decisions, you don't just base it on what you want and your, what you're thinking about and how you think it's going to work. You base it on your relationship with Christ. Is this going to further what God has called me to do? Is this going to distract me? Does it even have the, the possibility of distracting me? And this goes back to seeking God. A lot of times we think things are fine. Or maybe, you know, some people, they're overthinkers. So they think everything is going to go wrong. So they overthink it. And so they don't do anything. And then you got the other people who think, oh, nothing's going to go wrong. But you know what? Talk to God about it. Ask Him about it. And He, like I said, He may not give you all the details, but He'll give you the answer you need. So in order to stay in purpose, you can't give up and you can't compromise. And what does it mean to compromise? And I want you to put a pin in compromise because we're going to get to some more about compromise in just a few minutes. To compromise means to accept standards that are lower than desirable. It's a shameful or dis disreputable concession. So for believers, it means to accept a standard that's lower or not the standard of God. It's a shameful or disreputable, disreputable concession. It means you give in to something that's shameful. So keep, keep, keep a pen there on compromise. We're going to get to something where we talk about where it, so many times a lot of us compromise. Go over to Psalms 37 right now. So Psalms 37, we're going to read verses 3 through 9. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the wicked, the man who bringeth wickedness devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So to stay in purpose, don't worry about things that are going on around you. Don't think about what, you, what you're, you think you're missing out on. Just keep your focus on God. Keep obeying and following Him. Because you're not missing out on anything. 
Don't worry about what's going on around you. Don't worry about the cares and the things that could distract you. Remember, when you focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's going to add everything you need to you. So you can keep your focus on him. Don't get distracted. Make sure, even then, even as this is going on, still handle those natural considerations in your life according to God's standard. So when things come up in your life, and let me tell you, they will. There are things that are going to come up. It's just no getting around it. Don't rely on your own understanding. Seek God and trust Him. Don't, don't sit there and try to, try to make it your way. Don't try to do it your own way. Seek God. Find out what He wants you to do. Let Him give you the answer. Maintain your sanctification. Don't compromise. Don't give up. During this time, you know what? Be patient. Be quiet. And when I mean quiet, I mean not only your mouth, but your mind. Calm all those thoughts down. Calm all that craziness. Everything that you're trying to work out. All the things that just keep coming in. No, no. Bring those down with the Word of God. Every time they come in, bring the Word up with it. And what I mean is bring a scripture. Get a scripture. Get a song. That is the Word of God. And and sing it. And keep your mind quiet. Faithfully do your part and trust God with the outcome. God is telling you what to do. Just do what He's told you to do. And then just trust Him. So, we want to stay in purpose. And now this is probably the part that everybody heard singleness. This is probably the part everybody was thinking we talk about the most. So, as a single person, how do you stay in purpose and be open or have a dating or a romantic relationship? And romantic in the sense that a single person should have, not outside the bounds of a single person. So, how do you keep yourself in right relationship with God without being distracted by dating? So go over to first, um, yeah, First Corinthians chapter. Actually, First Corinthians chapter seven, twenty-six through twenty-eight. I'm going to read that again. It says, "I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man to be so. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loose. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife." But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned, and if a virgin marry, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. So basically what am I trying to say here? Pay attention to what season of life you're in. Where are you, are, where are you right now in your life? Like Paul is saying here, I suppose therefore in this present distress, at this present time, just stay in the state that you're in. But if where you are, you want to get married, and you're in a state where you can't get married, get married. But what you have to do is you have to realize where you are with God. What state you're in. If you're not in a state where you can, where you're easily distracted, there are some things you're trying to work out and and you're still trying to, you're still trying to figure out your position with God. The first thing we talked about, the first point, and you're not focused. No, you're probably not in in the right place today yet. You probably need to wait a little while. But the thing is, you have to pay attention to the season of life that you're in. Don't get out of season. So, you want to stay in purpose, but you want to know, okay, when, when, when should I date? Who should I date? All these things. Here's a very big one. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Don't be ashamed and don't be proud. Guess what? We all need godly counsel. There are people that God has placed in your life who he's already prepared, who can give you godly counsel. 
listen, God has already prepared them. He's already given them the word for you. I was thinking about this. You get godly counsel from your pastor every time she teaches. If you follow her on Facebook, you get godly counsel from her. You get godly counsel from the other ministers, the other teachers when we teach. You get godly counsel from people all the time. Sometimes you get godly counsel in a setting where it's generic and it's global and everybody's here and you're hearing it. Sometimes you get godly counsel where somebody walks up to you and they tell you something. You ask them a question and they give you an answer and sometimes the answer you're like, well, that really was not what I thought they were going to give you, but it's godly counsel. Doesn't matter where, how you get the godly counsel, take the godly counsel. Do not, do not disparage godly counsel. I cannot tell you that because I was thinking about it so many people like you know my age just think well you know if I want to date I'm fine I'm in my 40s I know what's going on no still seek godly counsel you may not be you may not do it like somebody who's 17 but you still seek godly counsel because the thing about it is go over to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 we're going to talk about this the thing about it is when you think about your time, time is, a, is our most valuable resource. We can't get it back. And when you think about people you spend your time with, you want to make sure you're spending time with the people that you're not wasting that time. So make sure. You want to know, you want to stay on purpose, but, but you're single and you, you want to date. You, you want to do those things. Make sure, first of all, that you are in the right season of your life to do that. That God is saying, okay. And remember the thing about it is, seasons, they begin and they, they end. They're a definite time. That season won't go on. God may be saying, no, not right now for you. But guess what? That season will end. And he'll say, okay, it's fine. Then make sure you seek godly counsel. Make sure you seek godly counsel. So let's go over to, uh, where am I? Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So, earlier I was talking about compromise, and I told you to put a pen in compromise. A lot of times, as single believers, we will compromise. Not only in dating, but also just just people we hang out with. You know, I was thinking, you know, sometimes you just want to hang out with, you know, single woman. You want to hang out with some other single women. You can't even compromise in that. If you are hanging out with women who are running around being loose and doing things that they shouldn't do, guess what? That's being unequally yoked. So I know you, 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 you want friends. You want to do those things. But you still have to spend time. You still have to not compromise your standards. Youth with conviction. There, you have friends. You can't be unequally yoked with your friends. If all of your friends are, are, are cussing and, and disrespecting their parents and all that stuff, those aren't the friends for you. You need friends who believe like you believe. 
So who we choose to spend our time with, who we choose to invest our time in, must be governed by the standard of God. We can't get emotionally attached to people who don't believe what you believe. And actually, I'm going to read it like I have it here in my notes. Don't choose to get emotionally attached to people who don't believe what you believe. You know, you can spend spend time with people and get to know them without getting emotionally attached. You can sit down, you can have conversations. Think about if you have a job, or even if you go to school, or when you went to school, if you have a job, you spend a lot of time with those people. But let me tell you, I can tell you right now, I am not emotionally attached with those people. But I know them, because I've spent time with them. I don't have to, I don't have to invest emotionally. I don't have to get tied into that person. So we can't afford to get tied into people who don't believe what we believe. Does that mean you should be mean and hateful? No. You should still, you should, your life should still minister Christ to them. But what it means is you don't have an emotional attachment with them. They, they, they don't have an influence over your life. How about that? What they do, they may say some things, they may do some things, still like them, still friends with them, whatever, but you're not emotionally attached. And you can choose that. So don't run in head first. You you, you meet somebody, they're nice, you go out for coffee. Don't jump in after you have a little coffee or ice cream or whatever. Oh, that's my husband, that's my wife, we're going to have four kids. Already emotionally attached. No, go in with it and just say, I'm going to find, I read this meme once that said, sometimes a date isn't trying to get you to marriage, it's marriage, it's just a way to find a nice restaurant, a nice new restaurant, or a nice new place to go. Think of it like that. It's just entertainment. Do you get emotionally attached to movies? No. Think of, think of the time that you spend with evil. This is entertainment. And, and then, after you have the entertainment, go pray. Pray before you go, pray after you go. You can't put your fellowship with other people above your fellowship with God. So in in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, um, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We don't date like the world dates. So we 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 don't do anything physical that we're not supposed to do. We don't, we don't have that. We don't fornicate. We don't fornicate in our minds. We don't sext. We don't do all that other kind of crazy stuff. That's not who we are. We don't live as single people like the world does. We're not out there trying to do all these different things because we're single. We don't have the same views as the world. We don't compromise our standard, and our standard is the standard that God has, been set, has set for us. Dating is not marriage. Understand that. Marriage is a whole other thing. Marriage is an institution created by God. Dating is just entertainment. Remember? It's entertainment. So just because you spend time with a person doesn't mean that you want a romantic or a serious relationship with that person. So I'm going to use this as an example. So um, was in November we had the, the etiquette training for youth with conviction. No, no, for uh, next generation, right? Next generation. So next generation, and it was said that they're going to be paired up, girl, boy, girl, boy. And it was some, it was some drama. It was some friction because they were like, oh, my God, we're going to be paired up. Just because you sit down next to somebody and eat a meal don't mean they want to marry you. They may not even want to eat another meal with you. It's just a meal. So don't get like that. 
And then, okay, so maybe you do want to have a romantic relationship. You want to have, and romantic, what I mean is you like them. I'm trying to say it like, you like them, you want to spend time. Y'all know what I mean by romantic. I ain't talking about a marriage relationship. I just want to make sure you know, understand that. Just because you're in that type of relationship with somebody doesn't necessarily mean it's time to get married. Just wait on God. A good thing at the wrong time can be just as destructive as the wrong thing. Understand timing, season. You have to do things in God's order. So, with that said, before you decide to date, answer the following questions. And when I say answer the following questions, think about it, ponder it, analyze it. Parents of teenagers, and even even parents of grown people, um, talk to your children about these these questions if they're talking about dating, or even if you think they want to talk about dating. First one, what are my motives or my reasons for dating? Why do I want to date? So what are my motives? What's my reason for dating? What type of person do I want to date? See, and you know, you think about it and people are like, well, I, I just want to have spend some time with somebody. Most people, you have, you have uh, something in your mind that you're thinking about. It, you know, it may not be physical. It may be like, I want them to have a lot of money. I don't know. So once you figure out, once you've answered that, be truthful. If you're lying, you're only lying to yourself. And you don't have to show, you're not showing these answers. Don't, I don't want your answers. Nobody wants to see them. It's for you. Why do I want to date this type of person or this person if it's a specific person you want to date? Because sometimes it's somebody you got your eye on and you're like, yeah, that's the one I want to date. Why do you want to date them? Then the next thing is what will dating cost me? Not only in money because you're probably going to have to spend some money, but also in your time, your relationship with others. Is it going to cost something? Will there be something? Will there be a trade-off in your time and in your relationship with others? If I date, will it affect my relationship with God? And then, after you answer those, say, ask yourself, when was the last time I was distracted? And what distracted me? So before you decide to date, ask yourself, what are your motives for dating? What type of person do you want to date? Or what person, if there's one you've already chosen. And then ask yourself, why do you want to date that person? Or why do you want to date that type of person? What will dating cost you, not only in money, but in time and your relationship with others? And if you date... Will it affect my relationship with God? And then when was the last time I was distracted? Or what distracted me? So then there are some people who are already dating. They're already spending time with someone. You need to ask yourself some questions. What's the purpose of dating to you? What you're doing right now, what's the purpose to you? Then once you've figured out that and you've written it down, I, I was yes, write it down so you can go back and say, with this question. Does that purpose align with the purpose that God has for you in this dispensation for, of your life? Now then, you're going to have to make some choices because if they don't align, you're going to have to align some things. You have to align some things with God. If they do align, you need to talk to the person that you're dating or that you're seeing. And you need to make sure, you need to ask them, what's your purpose for dating? Do they have the same view that you have of dating? 
You may say, well, I really like spending time with you. This is great. I love it when we go to, you know, get cookies or whatever. And they say, no, I thought we were going to get married. I thought I just meant we were getting married next month. And you're like, what? Now things are different. But you, you have to talk about those things. Because now they had an expectation that you didn't have. And, and you might want to pray after that. So make sure that you ask yourself those questions. Be truthful. Talk, you know, be truthful with yourself. It, it's time. You, you got a lot of time. You, you can't go nowhere. You got time to ponder these things. The thing about it is when you talk to that other person, and let's say your views don't line up, or let's say you find out that your reason for dating doesn't match God's purpose for your life in this dispensation, you have to obey God. No matter what, you have to obey God. You may have to make some hard decisions. You may really care about that person, but God say, well, right now, this is not what I need for you to be. But you've got to make the hard decision to obey God. When you obey God, all you can do, all you can control is your actions. You can't control the other person. So, don't let anything, don't get caught up in anything but God's will. Do not get caught up with anything but God's will. And I know we were talking about dating, but I also want to bring in, you know, there are some people who, um, like, their, their, their marriage has ended for whatever reason. But don't let mourning, don't let heartbreak for the end of a relationship cause you to get out of purpose. Remember that God loves you. He will heal your heart. He will continue with you. He loves you. So don't let that mourning, don't let that heartbreak get you out of God's purpose. There are people who are unmarried, who are single, who have children. Don't let being a single parent get you off focus. Guess what? God will provide. Don't let anything get you off focus. Don't get caught up with anything but the will of God. Because the goal, remember, the goal is focused ministry. It's focused service to God. The important thing, the important thing, the only, the most, the only important thing is that you complete the assignment that God gave you. Amen? And I am out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.